Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Hello. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thank you. I am sitting right in front of a sign that says no dumping allowed. So, well, you should keep that in mind then. I'm keeping it in mind. <laughs> Wait, what is it you can't dump? I just got in. <laughs> Hi, Janet. I'm I am sitting at a park and ride uh, little parking lot exit off of 77 South in West Virginia somewhere. Um, and I'm 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 looking at a sign that says no dumping allowed. I don't well, know what there, that means. There you go. Yeah. So I don't plan to in, in any way, shape, or form. That's good to know, Brandy. I like that. <laughs> so um, welcome, everybody. And I thought we could, um, since I'm traveling today, I am not quite halfway to Asheville, North Carolina from Northeast Ohio. And... Um, I thought it would be interesting to kind of explore how the animistic relationship is affected by how mobile and how much more expansive our sphere of experience is in modern culture compared to, you know, centuries ago living in a community, potentially your entire life and and those relationships being much fewer in number because I realized um, this to leave, I I used to be a really anxious traveler in terms of I would way, way, way overpack. I would take everything I owned with me and I would overstuff everything. I was always the person with, you know, too much and wouldn't use any of it. And I realized that anxiety, I think having a kid sort of like, burned it out of me like I can only have so much stuff with me and manage this there was still the anxiety this morning and I realized it's that I'm taking all of my things places and they're being displaced shoved into a, a you know a small compartment and they're being dragged through three states and I realized the discomfort for me now is just in that that part of it is animistic. It's like all of my things go in certain places. And we've talked, we've talked off the podcast a little bit about the house as an altar and um, how things are sorted within the house. And I just am very struck by how uncomfortable it is to yank all my stuff off of a counter in various places of the house and have it jumbled. It was almost like I felt guilty. I think it makes sense, though. It makes sense that there's a little bit of anxiety around it, because if you think of it from a historic standpoint, initially humans didn't travel. It just it wasn't a concept from the standpoint of, hey, let's go on vacation. You stayed pretty much in the same region until you couldn't because you didn't have the resources that you needed or because you were realizing you were depleting the resources and needed to move so that the land would be okay. And so I think the idea of traveling is is something that people did spiritually, intentionally to put themselves in a place of ordeal. I mean, when you think of people going into the woods for a wild hunt or 
a vision yeah. quest or whatever your cultural layer was, you know, many cultures had that experience of nature as being ordeal. And it was enough to take, you know, maybe the closure wearing and that's it to go into nature away from the safety of the tribal boundary or the clan boundary and be able to survive on your own and also eke some sort of spiritual awareness out of that experience that you didn't have before and wouldn't have gotten comfortable in your everyday space. Yeah, that, that tracks. And I, I think too, like even, you know, even a couple hundred years ago, travel also used to be so much more permanent. Like it, it wasn't, I mean, you really were packing up all your shit and you were moving somewhere else. Or you were, you know, you didn't go for, you know, I'm going for a few days and I'm going multiple states away in my car. Like that's such a, you know, it's such a recent thing, I guess. Well, and who traveled in, in the early stages of this country? Wealthy people. Mm-hmm. And, and right. you know, the only reason they took a bunch of stuff is so they would be comfortable. And, you know, they, you know, they took like 18, you know, what do you call them that you wear under dresses? The, the really foofy things. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> but it's that kind of like, I can't even comprehend it now, but, but it was yeah. that kind, that was travel. You know, you see these depictions of people traveling into other countries, exploring, and they have real China. They have real glasses, yeah. you know, pedestal glasses that they're drinking out of. I mean, our ideas of travel have formed in a really warped way, I think. You know, Brandy, I don't even think it's a couple hundred years ago. I know that when I was living um, in the southern part of Louisiana, south of Thibodeau, uh, south of New Orleans, um, that there were people, grandparents, uh, great-grandparents, who had never been over the Intracoastal Canal, which was kind of like the dividing place of that part of the Cajun country and then going north of that. And I moved down there from Illinois, and they were so astounded that I would make that trip down there for a job and not have any family come with me, that it was incomprehensible to them, the life that I had chosen to live, whereas their life of never being over the Intracoastal Canal, which was literally just, I'm going to say, maybe 10, 12 miles, you know, away from that area, it was incomprehensible to me. That's the way my family, though, was my mountain family was that way. I mean, not so much the younger generations, but my grandparents and and I had the fortune of knowing my great grandparents. um, They had they didn't leave unless they needed a job. And that job was usually the military, which meant they went all over the world at like 17, 18 years old. And I'm not 17. They were in CC camps when they were that age. But by the time they were 18, they were traveling the world and it was massive culture shock for them. I mean, they were, they were clamoring to get back. I yeah. Can't, I can't comprehend that. <laughs> I'm the other way. I'm like, where can I go next? <laughs> yeah. And well, and it's, it's interesting too to experience, um, you know, I'm not that far from home yet. You know, I'm like three, I'm like three and a half hours from home. And, but I knew it the minute I was in West Virginia and I'd forgotten how, um, it's the driving through at least this part of West Virginia, at least this trek of like 77 South down through 
Um, you know, I knew when I hit Parkersburg, I was like, oh, I'm about to hit no man's land. Like yes. there's nothing, at least, at least from the freeway. Like I haven't seen a house in ages and all I see are trees and the kind of trees where it's like, you know, they're not sheltering houses. It's like thick forest and it's really cool to drive through, but it's also like, you know, I'm not that far from home, but I'm definitely not home. Right. And that part of it's interesting too, like touch, you know, creating the, and when you're traveling as rapidly as we can now, like creating those animistic touchstones, I think Kelly, you and I have talked about like when you've flown or like gone great distances in a really fast way, it's disconcerting when you're, when you live a life with animistic awareness. I think that we experience travel on different levels and, and I'm going to put a pin in that and come back to that later. But, but yes, I, I travel a lot. Mm -hmm. I've traveled a lot all of my life. I love to travel. I don't get to travel nearly as much as I want to, but I find it really discombobulating I always thought just kind of as an intuitive because I feel spaces and they talk to me and they engage with me, even when I'm dingy and not really paying attention to them. I look up and realize that's kind of where my attention's coming from. But with an animistic perspective, I realize it's, it, it feels really, um, unbalanced for me to just fly over thousands of miles and it, it, it's just very hard for me to feel like I'm just blazing through this territory that I'm not acknowledging. And if you think about it, not that long ago, the fastest we went was horseback. If we were lucky, yeah. the fastest we went was horseback. And so it took forever to get long distances. And even though you're still moving, you're still moving at such a slow enough pace that you get to take in the details of the land, sensually, spiritually, all the way around. And I feel like we miss a lot of that when we go even by train, but definitely when we're flying or which is when we're taking four lanes, you know, we're not, we're seeing the part of the land that was devastated so that you could move through it at a great speed. It's not even the land that was incrementally settled and they needed roads to just connect it all. I think even with horseback, um, yes, everything is going slower, but the horse is also taking in information, which, you know, um, a person that's really connected with horses, they're able to take that in information in through the horse too. So there's like a double layer there. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I, I am doing like the four lane, you know, drive down, but I'm, I'm very struck by how different it is than if I had flown in, there is a little airport that I could have flown into to go to Asheville. And I just, and I think the last big trip I took, if I'm remembering correctly, what there was a flight. And I'm just, um, it's definitely a different process. Like, I feel like I'm getting to ease into it while also feeling at times like I'm just zooming through massive amounts of, and, and especially in West Virginia, where it's just this thick forest, there's still huge expanse, expanses of pretty wild, at least in terms of plant life. I'm sure some of the like native you know animal life has been run out but there's still such wild land here that it's like if I was traveling through this space in a different point in time I would be battling this landscape like I mean I would it would be hard it would be difficult travel 
and I'm just breezing through it, you know, listening to podcasts and, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's really interesting and it's interesting to stop to, you know, to do the podcast today and get to kind of sit across from it and think this feels so foreign to me when I'm driving through it. And yet when I stop and look around, it's like, well, yeah, I know that tree. I know that leaf. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm somewhere where nature has an accent or something. Nature is just nature. It's also kind of a constant in a way. I think it's interesting what you're saying also. Even when we're driving by car, most of the time we're not paying any attention to what's around us. We are listening to something or we're we're doing Mm -hmm. something else or we're in that hypnotic space where we don't really know what exit we're coming up on. And I think that's a part of it also is we become less present. We, we're not, um, we're not really there. And, and that, that mental escape only in, in like, you know, what's the word I'm trying to say makes it worse that you're physically not really grounding through where you're going. Right. Right. Yeah. Like it's already, it's already hard enough to ground in a car that's going 70 miles an hour, but when you're also distracting yourself, you know, to, to make it through the drive, it's a lot. And I, I did have to like turn off everything bef- so that, you know, cause I'm doing about 500 of these miles or 400 of these miles or something on 77. There's no like yeah. navigation. There's right. no, like, it's a, it's just straight down. And, but I did have to like turn off everything and, you know, I, I turn off the music and everything while I was concentrating on where I was going to pull over to stop stretch legs and, and record with you ladies. So, and it was interesting because I felt myself immediately more tuned in to, you know, for me, the sky is a constant, even in travel and everything. I feel like that's the thing I can always use as I think we've talked in the past about one of my ways of grounding is actually sky. I mean, the ground is one thing, but the ground changes for me. Sky is the constant that I can always find myself in. And I found myself kind of reaching up in that way, kind of saying hi to the skyscape that's over me, kind of paying attention to the change in the, in the landscape. Um, But it was, it was me kind of regrounding back into like, where am I? What am I doing? Where am I going to park? When I moved to Montana, it was very interesting because I did not, I was not aware of animism. Um, And as I was going through the different states, my body was being affected by the different states. And I thought it was from worrying about the travel. But as I look back in hindsight, my body was trying to acclimate to the different areas that it was going through, the different geographical areas it was going through. And it didn't have the time to do that. She didn't have the time to do that. That's what I want to circle back to. So one of the biggest questions that I get from people is how can you possibly facilitate soul healing as a shaman for someone and not be physically in the same place with them? And I feel like that is a relevant point to bring up when we're talking about how we move through space as an animist and that that common point is that ultimately your soul doesn't care. It is, it's, it's simultaneously not part of this experience and it is simultaneously already all of this experience. It's already connected to all the trees and all the streams and all the clouds and all the, the birds. And, and, and it's, to me, it's really important to address 
how the soul is experiencing movement and travel is very different from how the body, which has its own spiritual experience, we don't really talk about that nearly enough in, in shamanism or perhaps animism, but the body has its own experience and that's where the discombobulation happens. And so to answer the question that everybody asks me, soul doesn't see itself as separate from anybody, anywhere, anytime to begin with. So there's not an issue with facilitating healing over a distance. And there are a million ways that you can deeply connect to touchstones that ultimately touch people on any other point in the planet. I mean, the three of us live in completely different states. We would, I mean, Janet lives way over in Montana. You know, Kelly and I would both have to drive three and a half hours to meet in the middle to even see each other. You know, we're not sitting on the same space. We're not sitting in a room with microphones looking at each other. And yet we, we have a, we have a relationship, we have ongoing dialogue and, you know, in some ways technology is nature. In some ways, um, I think all of us, each of us in being animistic in our orientation toward the world around us, we're also connecting to the root of the tree I'm looking at across the street right now is connected in some way through this immense system to the roots of the trees outside Kelly's house right. and outside Janet's right. house. And, you know, it's just, we're not so separate. And then you take in the sky because it's the constant. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing to bring with you. And this is the part where, you know, yes, animism is an experience, but you have to be present for that experience to happen. You have to be willing to show up to the experience that is happening to you. And it takes practice. I mean, mm -hmm. it, I think for a lot of people, it's memory because they remember feeling that connection as a child. But when you have the ability to do that on a regular basis in the space where you are every day, your ability to move through other spaces at light speed or less is less abrasive because it's a skill that travels with you. Yeah. yeah. And it's those touchstones. And for me, you know, like I said, the, you know, standing on different earth, you know, I, it's almost like when I'm traveling, that's when ground is grounding is least connected to the ground itself. And is more about where's their shared. It can be the air, mm -hmm. it can be the wind, it can, and ultimately that view above. Like, I know that all of that up there has been probably everywhere at some point in time. There's something above me that has been on the complete other end of the world and in the soil and in the ocean. And, you know, um, but we do have to kind of take a moment to to check in. And I, I feel that when I when I fly that's what's kind of jarring is that you're kind of you're checking out very suddenly from the space you're standing on you're breathing recycled air and then I, I, I'm always struck by that moment when you get off a plane and you actually exit the airport and everything smells feels and like the humidity is different it's completely different and you have to take it all in in one you know that one breath that's like oh I'm in a completely mm -hmm. different place um, and that's fine. It, it's, it's not like that, you know, 
incapacitates me or anything, but it's good to be aware of. And it's almost like there's a crowd of like animistic energy that's like, who's coming out of here? Who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. We need to do an episode on public spaces sometime. Holy I like that. Yeah. 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 That's a good idea. Yeah. But I, you know, I just wanted to explore this today because it's something I'm sitting with literally in my car the whole way down. And I'm, it's kind of leaves me eager to, like, I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, when I get to Asheville and I've been there many, many years ago, I got engaged in Asheville and I'm, it's almost like I'm looking forward to say hello again to those, to that space um, and just kind of taking in the ride. Brandy, I like the way you've been using the word touchstones because when I travel and I take, for me, it's literal stones. Um, with me. Mm-hmm. That is like such a helpful tool to balance me when I'm in a different space because all I have to do is reach in my pocket, touch that stone. The stone is connected to where I came from, where I'm at, and where I'm going. And so that helps balance me. Yeah, I like that that reminder too is when I travel, there are certain items that I always take with me too. Um, I have a I have a leather bracelet that Jim, my my husband has a matching one and it has my wedding anniversary and my daughter's birthday hidden on the inside and I wear it when I'm away from them for a long time and I have necklace like I'm very intentional not just because of space because I mean jewelry doesn't take up that much space but I'm very intentional about what I'm gonna wear most specifically because I tend to use jewelry as sort of you know body as an altar jewelry is the stuff that I put on my altar and so I'm very, very intentional. I only brought one pair of earrings, one necklace, you know, the, the leather, the leather cuff. And um, I do, I use those as touchstones for like where I'll be returning and, you know, who I brought with me in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, does anybody else have any tips on, you know, touchstones to take with you when you're traveling or ways that you like to check in when you do enter space when you're traveling to kind of make sure to check in, make sure to, you know, pay, you know, pay respect to the space that you're encroaching on, et cetera, et cetera. Anybody have a little ritual when they travel? I don't bring things with me, but mm-hmm. I definitely, from a, from a relationship like heart connection thread, talk to the allies that I work most with at home. I I mean, I I incorporate them in the trip and where possible, where they may already have a relationship with the space that I'm going, I ask for those blessings to be made perhaps before I get there, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. But I do, you know, I, I have a closing ritual when I leave to travel for a period of time and I talk to the nature spirits here and I tell them where I'm going and when I'll be back. But I do it also when I come home. I don't expect to be the same person when I get home. Mm -hmm. I don't expect them to be the same. And Mm -hmm. I don't assume that I'm walking back into the same network. So I I kind of start back at square one and ask if, you know, do I still live here? Is my seat still available? Mm -hmm. But Kelly, is there some sort of recognition point with the spirits? What do you mean? Um, That you recognize them, even though there might be some change and they recognize you, even though you might've changed during the trip? 
I haven't had, you know, I haven't shown up home yet. And they go, who are you? Or, you know, no, you can't come back. So apparently there is a recognition point. I don't have any specific indicator of what that is other than, you know, they slide over and I get back in my space. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be more conscious of the returning because um, I, I do a lot of that too, Kelly, when I leave. Um, I say goodbye to the house. I say, you know, I peek my head out into the backyard, be like, I'm headed out for a few days. I'll be back. I said goodbye to my hedgehog this morning. I said goodbye to the dog, you know, I, but I said goodbye to the house too. And I, I'm always a little bit grateful when I'm leaving for a trip and I have the house to myself so I can do that. It feels like I have more space to do it. As you, two, um, as you two are describing that, it sounds like the relationship of coworkers or colleagues mm-hmm. that y'all well, are working yeah. together on something. Well, definitely. I mean, it, it is a relationship that is going to go on when I de- when I'm dead. I mean, they're going to still be mm-hmm. here doing what they do long mm-hmm. after I'm gone. And I feel like I'm very much a visitor in this space. I have commitments. I've made commitments along the lines of marriage that will, I think, carry beyond my mortal life. That's the plan anyway. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, definitely. It is mm-hmm. very much like it's a network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I'm, I think I'm going to engage with a little more intention when I get home to kind of, um, cause I'm not always mindful about reentering that space. So I like that reminder too, that it's not just the, Hey, see you later, but also, Hey, I'm back. And also kind of re centering things where they go in, you know, in yanking everything out of its room and off of its counter and everything. Um, I do often kind of enjoy the process of putting it all back where it went as well. So, well, thank you. We're right around 25 minutes. So um, I really appreciate joining me in the middle of nowhere today. <laughs> to talk about- middle of nowhere that I said hello. Yes, for me too. I will. It's been a long time since I've been to West Virginia's nowhere, but it is beautiful there. It's beautiful. It and it's, it's also familiar too. And I, I love that about it. You know, I'm, I'm not so far that it's not also a little bit like home. That's interesting. So, um, I, Cause it is not familiar to me when I go there. I am like, I know I'm not from here. I mean, on any, on any <laughs> level, cellular, spiritual, and I, and I'm just tipping my hat. And I, I think that's important yeah. also when you realize you mm-hmm. don't have a common thread with a place or you don't right. recognize it anyway. Right. Tell it I said hello. But I will tell I will. I will tell nowhere both of you said hello because I still need to get out and stretch my legs a little bit more because I got a lot more. Don't dump anything while you're out there. I'm not. I'll wait until there's like a you you can dump your sign. The official sign. That's good, Brandy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you two have a great day and thanks everybody for listening. And we will see you next time. Safe travel. Everybody take good care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.